Welcome to the Empowered to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I am your host, and today we're going to talk about trauma. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you might say, uh, J.D., you guys talk about trauma all the time. And you'll be right in that we do touch on trauma in a lot of our episodes and talk about its effects on our lives uh, sometimes, or our effects on our kids' lives. But usually those are um, nuanced within a larger discussion. So today we wanted to, to talk about, specifically when it comes to trauma, what is it, and then how does it affect us? Um, Those two questions are profoundly important if you are in a relationship with another human being, because uh, odds are that uh, one of you or both of you at some point in your life have encountered trauma, have encountered adversity or stress, and has left an impact on you. So when we understand trauma and how it affects us, it does give us a deeper ability to care for ourselves and those we love um, in a really unique way. And so we're going to talk pretty pretty intensely about this today. Um, I will say just as a matter of self-disclosure, like I, I... I thought today's episode would be kind of a breeze to record and we would just roll through it and and keep moving. Um, And there was so much new information for me in this conversation and uh, things that were presented in a a kind of a newer and fresher way than I had um, previously learned them. And so I would just encourage you, no matter where you're at today on your um, intellectual or parenting journey, I I would just uh, implore you to listen to the episode today. Um, I think it was really, really helpful. Um, I also want to talk before we get into the interview about our new monthly donor program. As you know, uh, Empower to Connect has always tried to provide um, really high quality resources to be able to help you in your parenting or caregiving journey. And so um, whether that has been um, the content we deliver through social media, through our YouTube channel, through the um, parenting courses, and now through Cultivate Connection as well, um, it's just always been our goal to be able to provide the highest level of resources. Now as our team um, grows and and as we're um, looking forward into the next chapter of Empowered to Connect, we want to deepen and broaden those resources now in a way that we haven't been able to before. And so we are um, giving away our brand new t-shirt, our ATC t-shirt, which you can see on social media. You can see it um, on the website. Um, It is, uh, I'll just say, incredibly soft, comfortable. um, And I'm not just saying that because I work here. Uh, I love this t-shirt. But we are giving that shirt away to um, anyone who chooses to partner with us in um, donating more than $20 a month to our monthly donor program. What this goes toward, obviously, is to help us be able to um, create the resources that we have uh, wanted to to create and and things that we've been working on for a while. Helps us to push those across the finish line. But I would say more than anything, it increases our our capacity um, to look at what is next and to continue, um, like I said, broadening and deepening the resources we've got, whether it be video or podcast or um, in print on our website, um, downloadables, um, printable uh, posters, magnets, that kind of stuff that you can so can well. All those things are on the way. Um, but as you know, just to have high quality people who deliver high quality resources. <laughs> cost money. So uh, we're asking you to partner with us. Um, and then if you do choose to partner with us monthly for at least $20 a month or more, um, we will shoot you a ATC t-shirt. We've got them in stock, got them in the, in the office right now, and they are awesome. So I encourage you to go to the link in our show notes below, or you can just go to empoweredtoconnect.org and click the donate button to learn more. Now, without any further ado, here they are, Tana Ottinger and Becca McKay. 
Well, we're here with Tana Ottinger and Becky McKay today, and we're going to talk about trauma. And uh, you might say, guys, don't you always talk about trauma? And the answer is sort of yes on that. But one of the things that we wanted to cover um, is that there, there tends to be a lot of, um, and I'm using air quotes if you can't see me right now, but othering that happens when it comes to trauma and it comes to the stigmas that surround it and all of that. And so we thought it might be a great jumping off point as we start into, you know, for a lot of us who are listening, you might be about to start another school year, starting to think about how do we talk to our teachers and how do we talk to friends, you know, all those things. And this conversation tends to come up, right? And so we just wanted to have a very broad starting point uh, to just get um, the conversation started. And so um, I guess with that said, uh, Tana or Becca, would y'all want to just start off with, let's define some terms and define what trauma is and start this conversation. Absolutely. Um, If you Google the definition of trauma, you'll probably get about 800 short snippy definitions. And so you're going to laugh because my definition is like four sentences. (laughs) And I think that's important because when you try to like dial it into a few snippy words, you just lose a lot of what it actually is in our context when we're talking about it. So trauma begins with a stressful event. And then a person experiences that event. Their experience individually and uniquely affects them. And what makes the experience traumatic or not is really the person's response. So in other words, it's how someone experiences what happened. So I'm um, not a huge fan of lists of like these things equal trauma because, you know, several people can go through the same event And for some folks, that event can be really stressful and traumatic. And for others, it's not one of the things that causes them undue stress. And so it's just really understanding that really broad. um, You're going to probably hear a lot of nuance in today's conversation because the topic is nuanced. Um, I can be, I hate to use this example, but I will, I can be in a car wreck with somebody and I may have long-term impacts from that while the other person may not. So car crashes don't equal trauma, but sometimes they do. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's like they don't, but sometimes they do. And that's the case for a lot of stressful experiences. So I think it's important not to like over categorize or label people, but just to really open up the conversation. And um, something that helps us here at ETC talk about it is we have identified six types of trauma. There are more than six, but just six kind of big categories that can help us kind of frame it. And so I think we're going to just, let's just talk through some of those maybe to just get our brains going. So one of them is a And that's the one I just mentioned, like a car accident. Acute means like happened right then, right now, one major thing. I tore my ACL. That was an acute trauma. Um, Losing a loved one and injury. Chronic trauma is something that we talk about often when we're thinking about... those experiences. Maybe you've got uh, somebody in your home with a long-term chronic illness and that's traumatic for the whole family. Maybe um, you're walking alongside someone with a terminal diagnosis. Maybe you are in a situation where you have a scarcity of resources for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. Those things can be chronic. Complex trauma is often chronic, but that is when the trauma happens in the context of a relationship, usually with a caregiver. So maybe childhood neglect or abuse, maybe caregiver mental illness or addiction. And it's complex because if you listen to us much, you'll know we're always talking about attachment. So when you experience trauma, um, 
in a relationship with a primary caregiver, that can be a complex type of trauma. Um, one that I, is often on my mind is the vicarious and secondary trauma. That's when you're witnessing other people's trauma. A lot of professionals experience it, but I think in our space, it's important to say like a lot of parents experience secondary trauma yeah. as well yeah. and vicarious trauma. When you have to watch someone walk through something super painful, that can be secondarily traumatic to you. Um, collective trauma. Collective trauma is when whole groups of people experience trauma, like a natural disaster. Uh, Katrina comes to mind. I was just down in, in Mississippi and they, all throughout this town that we were in, there's memorials of Katrina mm-hmm. was this high. And you can tell it's just part of their collective DNA of like, that's their life experience. Um, it can also include genocide. Uh, it can include systemic discrimination and oppression. And then generational trauma is when the impacts of trauma are passed down from generation to generation. I'm excited that I've seen this conversation more on social media lately of people thinking about the generational impacts. Um, yeah. I think I was, I was listening to a podcast a, a little while ago that was saying we we repeat what we don't repair. And that's kind of yeah. the idea of generational trauma. When we don't repair and integrate and think holistically, we mm-hmm. kind of repeat some of those patterns. So that's just a big, I know that was a lot of things to think about, but hopefully as you listened, maybe your definition of trauma expanded. I think that's my goal today is not that you would walk away with an easier definition, yeah. but maybe that maybe you would more walk ex- away. A more expansive one. Yeah. Just completely yeah. overwhelmed by it. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. It's bigger uh-huh. and more gray. Yeah. Just, a different, yeah. just yeah. a different lens of thinking about, oh, that's a, that's a lot of categories. And there's more that I didn't mention. You know what I mean? Like there's just an unending list of stressful events that could be traumatic for folks. And so that's just to kind of start the conversation broadly thinking about, man, there's a lot here. There's a lot to be, to be thought about. So I think one thing that I think about and Tana, I don't know if you would, I don't don't know if I've heard you guys' perspective on this before. Uh, I was talking to Mo probably nine years ago about Mm -hmm. this. Uh, We were drowning as parents and I've shared this sort of story before we uh, I was sharing with Mo he's talking with me about trauma and I remember telling him hey listen the good news is you know our our oldest was adopted you know at birth and so you know we we kind of got to skip the traumatizing part and he just sort of smiled at me and was really gracious the way that Mo is and then he's like "I I think you guys need to jump in this parenting class that we have and um right out of the gate, we're learning all of this. We kind of hear these definitions. We see this. We learn about um, trauma that happens in utero. And I'm sure we'll get there at some point in the next little bit. And I just started to sink in my chair and my stomach was filled with knots. And I was like, holy crap. Not only did we not escape it, like it is so much worse than I thought. And so then I'm already thinking about that. And we get a couple weeks down the road and then I'm reading about adult trauma. And I, I sink even further. And I was like, well, crap, this affects me too. Like yeah. I've been traumatized yeah. a whole lot too. And I think that in a very, very weird way, there was this comforting, like, oh, well, we're all in this together kind of feeling that that came from as, as Elizabeth and I sort of began to walk through this together. Realized, hey, we're, we're all, we're, we're all um, affected by this and it's going to take all of us together sort of working through it. I don't know if that was y'all's experience or not, Tana, but that was definitely how we experienced it. For sure. I 
I think one of our heartbeats and goals, even in talking about this conversation today and even laying it into some of the upcoming episodes, is for us to sort of gather together and say, as the community of podcast listeners and those that are desiring to parent and care for their families and children in this sort of connected way, that we would be willing maybe to shift our mindset around around the the way that we even think about trauma and the way that we talk about trauma. Because the way that we think about it and talk about it informs like what we do next Mm -hmm. and in our actions. And so to your point, JD, if um, if you don't mind if I like piggyback on y'all's experience, because ours mirrored it for sure. I mean, it's the same, same thing, same, same, you know, very similar. And I'm sure many parents would say, oh, yep, that was my trajectory of sort of, you know, shifting my mindset and coming to a deeper understanding of, of this idea. Um, but when we when we think about, like, that that mindset shift, it changes the way that we view reactions and interactions and connection and attachment yeah. and stress and adversity and behavior. And you know what? Those are the things of family. Yeah. The things yes. of yeah. family are those things. Yeah. And, and so the way that you, if you can like go, okay, okay, just let me take a deep breath. Like maybe let's like let some of the air out of the room a minute and just be like, actually it feels harder and maybe a little bit overwhelming to think about this word trauma in this very holistic way. On one hand, on the other hand, you could think about it as this like collective human experience. Yes. That as a human being, I mean, Becky, you did a beautiful job sort of giving us some buckets and categories to think about trauma. If you stepped away from this episode and and did some self-reflection, you would find your own story reflected and mirrored through many of the things that we've sort of summarized at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. We could we could think about our own childhood. We could think about loss. We could think about relational struggle. We could think about, you know, he, this collective experience of a, of a global pandemic. Our listeners that are in other countries, you could think about the struggles that you have had in your country. We could think about systemic racism and the impacts of that across family systems. Like this is like the stuff of living really. So when, 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 when Mo and I started our early parenting journey and, you know, I I think there was, um, I want to give us a little credit. There might've been like a little bit of idea that maybe our kids had experienced some, we weren't even talking about ACEs back then y'all. I'm not dating myself, but like if somebody had said, oh, my child has ACEs, I would say, well, where's the rest of their deck of cards? Like (laughs) the word ACEs was not part of our language when we started parenting, okay? But I knew that they had experienced loss because we adopted um, our, our all of our children. So our early experience of parenting was at least a little acknowledgement that there was some loss there. But it wasn't until we started really understanding, you know, the, the, I don't want to say catastrophic and maybe it felt catastrophic when I was beginning to uncover it. Okay. It probably did feel that way, but the, the, the tentacles of trauma, is that, that, can I say it that way? That like, that it sort of found its way into Mo and I's own personal lives, our marriage, 
our children, then something shifted. Mm-hmm. There was like a massive, like a groundswell shift yeah. in our family structure because it was no longer about fixing the children. Mm-hmm. It was no longer about repairing their pain. Yeah. It was about, oh, this is like the place where grace and hope and humanity and forgiveness and relationship and goodness and restoration and growth live in us all right here together. It levels at something. And I think it level. I don't know where we would be as a family if we didn't allow this idea of we have all experienced things that cause us to react in ways that are not so becoming. Mm-hmm. Right. And everything shifted in the family, a groundswell mindset shift. Well, and I, I, you know, I think that, again, that feeling can be so overwhelming, the realization of it. And then we talk about shifting away from wanting to fix our kids or fix the problem or whatever. Mm-hmm. In, in a bigger way, it's almost like we identify that that's where we were trying to go and that yep. really that healing process is, is, is not a six-week class, nine-week class, oh, you know, an OT appointment or whatever. That healing process is what heals the whole family unit, right? And it's a whole lifelong journey of that. And we yep. don't experience that restoration. We don't experience that healing if we're not all in uh, aware of what's going on and, and on that journey together. And so that was the biggest, maybe the biggest help for me was, okay, like it was breaking my heart the more I learned about trauma, seeing our kids and when those, when, when those either behaviors or, or insecurities or whatever what would make themselves shown, it was like, man, I hate this for them and I want to be able to take this away from them. That's every parent's desire. But it, it shifted that thinking from that to like that empathy would just flood in and allow me to then meet those needs in the moment. And then seeing that gradually that helped that kid to begin knowing how to navigate and thrive in those situations. And so um, I say that kid, those kids, all, all of us, like even, even for our Elizabeth and I in relationship too. Like, um, and so, yeah, it, it is a, it is a complete paradigm shift. And if you're picking up on the fact that, that we are not specifying this to the foster and adoption world, if, if you're picking up, we're not specifying this to only those who fall in the more, you know, traditional definitions of trauma, you're right. Like, because it would be our assertion that this is, uh, that this does affect all of Mm -hmm. us. Right. And if we're aware of it, 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 it informs how we engage with each other. Yeah. And I think for, I'm hearing you guys talk and I'm thinking when I first learned about trauma and what trauma does, it was in the context of this is how this affects the kids that you're working with. And that was my context at the time. And it was really helpful and life-changing. And I think it made me a more compassionate um, social worker at the time. But my journey wasn't done. Like that wasn't the end of my learning, thank goodness. Yeah. Because I think if that's where I had left it, I would have missed out on, you called it the tentacles, but almost just like the the reaching out of it. So then, you know, fast forward to, you know, I was, I was at a conference in Budapest, Hungary, and I was listening to someone, I grew up overseas, and I was listening to someone talk about the experience of third culture kids. And I was hearing it And I was a leader at this conference, like for the youth or whatever. And so I was like, not there to learn anything. I was there to lead. And I'm sitting in this room and the speaker is talking about the grief and loss associated with living cross-culturally. I lost my mom at a young age. 
And so I knew, I know that about myself and I had connected a lot of my personality traits to that loss Mm. because it made sense to me while I was sitting in this room and she's sharing and every single thing that she says on every single slide about living cross-culturally was me. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, if I think about my life, never thought my childhood was stressful or traumatic. And I'm grateful for my childhood. I had incredible parents, but living cross-culturally brings with it stressful events. It brings with it a lot of transition. It brings with it loss and grief. And it took someone else, it took me flying across the world to go try to help some other kids (laughs) to see myself in that room. And so I just feel like that's what I'm hoping I hope that if you are hearing this information and you've got a kid in mind, what I hope will happen is what happened to me in that, in that room. Like, I hope that you'll think back and you'll go, oh, me too. Like, uh, like, and stuff that I didn't even think of as traumatic. Like I never thought my childhood was, was in any way, shape or form stressful. Um, until I lost my mom, I had, I had man pinned everything onto that event And I didn't know about all these deeper categories, you know what I mean? And so I just think it's like that aha moment, that light bulb moment of, I love the ACE study. It was groundbreaking because it made the medical community aware that there's physical impacts, but I love it. And I have a love hate relationship with it because it's a list and they had to, they're researchers. They had to pick specific things. You know, what's not on that list. Um, it, it has parents incarcerated. Do you know what's not on that list? Parents being deployed for the military, parents being yeah. truckers and leaving the house. Like yeah. it yeah. just has one category because you have to, in research, be really specific. Yeah. Yeah. But I think my hope, um, just as I continue to learn and grow is just to be more self-aware, like of how, how have my life experiences impacted me like consciously and subconsciously and how can that make me a more compassionate person? And how can I stop going to like, I'm going to do this because you are the, that kid who needs this intervention. And how can I just think about, Hey, I have no idea what people in my life have been through. Why can't I treat everyone with the same level of compassion and understanding? Why can't I treat everyone with the same level of empathy and support? Um, Yeah, that's kind of been my like journey with this content. You know, I was just, a little thought came to my head. And, you know, our matriarch of trust-based relational intervention um, is Dr. Karen Purvis. And, um, you know, she's now passed, but one of her most famous quotes and like ideas is you can't lead a a child to a place of healing. And then I would say like understanding if you haven't gone there yourself. Yeah. And I think it applies here in, in an interesting way, because Becca, something just came to mind when you were sharing your story about having gone overseas and hearing that list. I had a very similar um, reaction when I saw the ACEs checklist for the first time. Remembering that what I shared was we were starting to understand and sort of figure out the impacts of trauma on developing children, on behavior, on biology, on the brain, on relationships. We'd begun to understand that. Again, it wasn't the con, it was the, the, I say it was an invitation. An invitation to understand that was presented by our children. Hey, mom and dad, are you going to learn these things so that we can be a, a thriving, healthy family in the middle of struggle? you know, yes or no. Like we sort of got to answer that question. And by God's grace, we sort of stepped in and started gaining some understanding. And then along came the ACEs study. 
And I remember thinking, it was probably in some training I was in. I was like, okay, yeah, this would be helpful for us to help other parents understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And I read it. I was like, oh, childhood You know, and, and I had to like just sit with it a minute and think, I have some of these check boxes. Yeah. And I, again, our heartbeat is something happens when we... Um, are able, like Dr. Purvis said, to go there ourselves. Yes. Because it's it's almost like until then you have to fake it till you make it. And then it becomes like real and something deep in you, like the human part of our soul can sit with someone else knee to knee and say, I know our experiences are different. Yeah. And I know that they were internalized as trauma in a unique and different way but I am not better than you. Like something really profound happens. And I think it just lays a foundation for something really meaningful. Um, And and I think that's what I meant by like, there was a groundswell, something happening in our family that like level set it. Mm -hmm. Because then it was like, hey, sweetie, uh, you know, a, a reaction in one of our kids again, was no longer something for me to judge or fix. I mean, of course, I don't want my kids to react in big ways. You know what? I don't want to react in big ways. Right. And yet I do. Like, and, right. yet, right. and yet here I am showing up as myself, having massive reactions yeah. that if I am just reflective for a moment or two, I might be able to trace it back to something in my history. And so something we did early on in the Empowered to Connect parenting classes was we talked about that. Like what, you know, sometimes it's like, well, I don't really know if my like past is impacting my present or if my past is impacting my parenting. And I'm like, well, it is, honey. You may not know that, but it is because you're breathing. Like the fact that you're breathing means your past and history is coming to bear in the present. We can either pretend it isn't or we can see how it is and maybe make a little improvement. I mean, I don't want to set us up to fail. Maybe we can grow a little, but sometimes it's those, it it can be small, what we would classify as small experiences. Like it is, we can have traumatic experiences that we like minimize as nothing Mm -hmm. until you really sit with them and go, well, that's why I reacted. I mean, I, I'll tell one story. I, I have, and I, I won't go into the details for the sake of time, but being around swimming pools with our children has always caused me anxiety. Yeah. And um, I have a couple of, you know, fun, longer longer form stories I share in class, but but I have been able to trace that back to my own swimming lessons when I was a young child and I had a hard swimming instructor and she was a, like, throw the kid in the pool until they learn to swim. Oh I absolutely felt like I was drowning when I was six years old. I do not still to this day as a 40 plus, that's not got to be talked about right now, woman, <laughs> put my head underwater. Mm-hmm. I still do not, y'all. I am 40 some odd years old and you would never see me at the ocean at a lake or a swimming pool with wet hair. And it's not because I'm prideful. It's because my face didn't go in the water. Wow. And I have, I have brought that to bear for 20 years of parenting. I still have to find my deep breath and get into the deep end with our youngest kids to play um, 40 years later, y'all. So yeah. it can be things that aren't what you would classify is something until you go, oh, that that's something. That's part of my story. You know? Well, let me ask you this because some of the things we're describing are things we would have been affected by where there's not some kind of like 
person or a thing at fault where we need to go back and face that and reconcile with that person or hunt them down. And obviously sometimes we do need to go back with a person. But if you will, can we talk through just kind of some of these, and I used to call them yeah. little T traumas or big T yeah. trauma, like yeah. we would yeah. separate them out that way. But some of, some of the things that have affected us don't necessarily need the psychiatrist or the counselor's help. It just requires some introspection. Am I right about that? Right. It's, it's me going, oh, I've named that. I mean, God, there is so much power in just naming something. Just like giving it like maybe the attention it deserves to be called something hard, like it's okay. And we don't have to live there. We don't have to get lost there. We don't have to like. We're digging the shame because of it. We don't, we don't. But just naming something that is and acknowledging it with your parenting, you know, partner, friends, other adults, your own children when they're old enough to understand, like just bringing some of your past history into the light yeah. is sometimes what you've got to do. Now, I'm not going to say that I don't still react. I like, I don't have a like sure. desire to react, but I, I'm, it is not, it is not in control of me at the swimming pool anymore. Right. I'm able to go to the lake with my family and have my sister-in-law there and be like, Hey Mandy, I don't feel comfortable in the lake. That doesn't something that feels good to me. I don't feel safe. I really appreciate you swimming with the kids and just being able to like name that in the moment is so empowering. I feel like I'm empowered over like something that was hard for me. That is a little example. I have so many others, but that that's like sometimes all I can't make it not happen. I can't reach stop my physical reactions for self protection. Like our bodies are wired to protect themselves. So my body is having a physiological response to getting in the water and I don't need to shame myself for that. Yeah. Like, thank you, body, for telling me you think we drowned when we get in water. Yeah. You know, thank you. Now, if I wanted to, I could push through that and take adult swimming lessons and go through the motions and get underwater and sort of conquer that fear. But I don't really want to. I don't care. It doesn't, it's fine. So I get to like decide what I want to do, you know? Well, I think. Yeah, go ahead, JD. I was going to say back up an idea. Well, just quickly, like that experience of going to the lake and you're going to talk to your kids ahead of time. Hey, I know yeah. you might not understand why I don't want to swim in the lake. I just need you to understand, you know, and you being able to model that for them is going to normalize as they grow up us identifying kind of trigger spots or, or problem spots in our own uh, history, our own, you know, preferences and just being able to advocate for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, I just think it's everywhere. When you start to pay attention, it's like, you don't see it. And then as soon as, as soon as you start to see it, you yeah. see it everywhere. You see it in every interaction. You see it in your family of origin. You see it in your work relationships. You see it in your friends and family relationships. I think a lot of us have been taught to power through a lot of things. Um, and humans can power through a lot of things. That doesn't mean it's healthy to do that. Right. Um, there's times when we have to. There's there's times when you have to power through because to survive it, you've got to. But I think that our cultural mindset is often like, you should power through everything always because efficiency is the most important thing. And mm-hmm. I think whenever we can kind of pause and acknowledge 
ourselves. I guess that's my hope from this conversation is that people will just see themselves, um, that they'll take a step back. Maybe, you know, if you've been listening to our podcast for any amount of time, you probably fall in the Becca school social worker camp of like, I saw it in kids and it helped me be more compassionate to them. But I hope you'll keep walking on the journey and be compassionate to yourself to your spouse, if you have one, to your parenting partner, to your community, to your, maybe even your boss, maybe your coworkers. I, as a young professional, have known a lot of people who had really, really tough traumatic experiences at work. Um, I think that's a whole other conversation, but a lot of people are in high stress work environments and they're not thinking about the physical effects that that's having on them, the relational effects that that's having on their family. And so we often push, 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 push until our body says no. And I think if we can take a step back and be more proactive at looking inwardly and reflecting and trusting our friends and family to like call us out if we need to set different boundaries. Um, But that's just my hope is that we would extend the compassion that we have for others to ourselves Mm -hmm. and that we would not, um, I don't know, I'm afraid that the, the label of trauma can sometimes make us judgmental towards kids or have really low expectations or be just Mm -hmm. very um, dismissive of them or like, oh, well, that's just trauma. So Billy can't blah, 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 versus like, really, you said it, JD, we're all in this together. Like we are all human. So let's look at all of us together as humans. So I guess that's my, my hope kind of as we, as we're kind of winding down is just, man, we're all human. We all deserve that same amount of grace and respect and we can all yeah we can all look just look I would say just start looking for it look for the look Mm -hmm. for the ways that stress has impacted you or is impacting you right now and not that you have to fix it tomorrow but like start to pay attention and notice it and when there's little shifts you can make to be healthy make those shifts tell your kids hey we're gonna go to the lake I'm not gonna get in the pool um set the boundary make the make the conversation happen hey you know, we're going to enter into this situation that's really tough for me as my friend. I want you to know going in why I'm stressed. Like just those little heads up, those little tweaks. Something's coming to my mind when you're talking about that. And it's, it's that posture of curiosity Mm -hmm. of like extending. We, We talk about that a lot. Like when you're thinking about a kid's behavior, like be curious about the why. Well, what if we said, what if we just started doing that with ourselves and the people that we're in relationships with or in community with. And it's not a judgmental why. It can be a why full of like curious compassion. And we may not know the answer, but I think just a posture of like, man, I wonder what's what's happening there, what's going on there. And then, you know, kind of go, oh man, I, I it, it really does go back to like seeing ourselves reflected in yeah. And like the essence of other people's struggles and behaviors. And, and something just, it, it like, almost like that curiosity and empathy really is the anecdote to judgment. Right. And I think we, when we are moving towards something to fix it, we've, we have judged it mm-hmm. as broken and needing yeah. fixing. Yeah. So there's something there that like is the anecdote to judgment. And then we become like, co-laborers and like growth, you know, or something like it's just a different posture. It's a different mindset. I think about, you know, having, being someone that comes from the Christian 
faith, there is an um, an allegory that's written by Henry Nouwen. It's called The Wounded Healer. And it's a picture of Jesus healing his own wounds before he goes out to the city gates to heal, like to bind up other people's wounds. And when I first heard that all the years ago, I was like, that's what it, that's what this thing feels like to me. Like if I just sort of bring it back to parenting, that our children have pain and they have wounds and they have things all children do because again, they're human, right. not mine more than anybody else, just being person. Mm-hmm. And I have them too. Mm-hmm. So taking care of ourselves and acknowledging that and being able to sort of give ourselves that care and nurture and then extending that out to the community, I think can be really powerful. I think it can be really beautiful and transformative and redemptive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just the, that, that whole picture of like, you know, Dr. Purvis said it, but there's a, I can remember hearing this as a sports analogy for leadership all the time. Like that you can't, you can't lead a team where you haven't gone. You can't, yeah. um, you can't uh, lead yourself where you've never been before. And so like the idea of us needing each other allows us to go further than we can go by ourselves. And then when that's modeled again for our kids that we're acknowledging uh hardships we're acknowledging things that have that have hurt us and we're we're talking about those hurts and we're talking about the ways we've been affected by it and then also continuing to put one foot in front of the other as we don't walk around or run from those things but we walk through them um again you're normalizing and taking so many of the things that uh did affect us away because you're giving kids the ability to see how to how to interact with them as they come as those challenges come um but you you can't stand by the side uh, just with the you know the aces sheet as a as a cheat sheet and look and go okay so uh, now I need you to try this you know if we've not been there before we have no idea how to lead our kids through it and so um, I yeah. have one closing thought that I do want to make sure we say together and then I'd love any closing thoughts from Becca if you're listening and you are feeling. Um, maybe a little overwhelmed by your own past history and story and um, maybe the complexity of your past trauma. I think my encouragement would be that none of us are without hope Mm -hmm. and um, you can be a wonderful, beautiful, compassionate, present, connected caregiver and parent that whatever has happened does not limit your ability to show up in really beautiful and profound ways to your to, to your children. Take the time to take care of yourself and get well if you need to in whatever way that is and however you need to. But there is nothing that disqualifies us from like showing up and being, and I really do believe that sometimes those deep wounds just usher out something really transformative and redemptive. And some of the people that I respect the absolute most have walked through the hellish of waters and have shown us the way. So I just, I don't want to minimize, I, oh, well, Tana told a little story about, you know, thinking she was going to drown when she was six and I've gone through X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, you know, it, they don't have, trauma is not compared, you know, but, but none of it disqualifies us from huh, just being like a beautiful, amazing, capable, strong and resilient parent and caregiver. Becca, what are your closing thoughts? 
My closing is if you're not overwhelmed, if you're like, you guys are being a little dramatic, I'm yeah. fine, oh. everything's fine. I would say mm-hmm. um, if you tend to dismiss, just like pause and look at your relationships, look at your experiences and maybe maybe be willing to get a little uncomfortable, um, be willing to be a little uncomfortable, be willing to admit that did hurt my feelings when such and yeah. such happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we kind of tend one way or the other. We can get yeah. overwhelmed or dismissive. So if you're listening and you're like, y'all are being a little bit dramatic, that's totally. a little bit <laughs> yeah, totally. I would say, I hear you and yeah. I would push yeah. you to like really, really do spend some time being introspective and reflecting and think about, you know, sometimes dismissing can get you to a certain point, but to experience the fullness of relationships, you do have to be able to feel uncomfortable feelings. And for some of us, that's going to take some thoughtfulness and some intentionality. Why did you wink at me when you said that? I don't know. I I think Becca may have just like hard winked at JD. She just gave him like, looking at you, sir. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Okay to be uncomfortable. I love it. Everyone. She's like, so, so currently Tana's being dramatic and JD's running for the hills. So Becca is going to offer some balance to the right. conversation. Right. Oh, I, I love like, it. doesn't feel like it's okay to be uncomfortable. Oh my goodness. It's very uncomfortable. Um, it does. That's good. Does. Yeah. I appreciate y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, this is great. And we'll, we'll obviously, you, you might feel like, okay, well, that's it. That's just like an overview. And yeah, that's right. Because that's where, that's where we're Some starting. more episodes to come. We're yeah. Talk a lot more yeah. in, in depth. And, and this is a, I mean, and we, look, we could do a two year series on this and have a hundred episodes on this particular topic. And we would just be scratching the surface of it. And so mm-hmm. um, just know we might not be able to give, the complete exhaustive answers that you're looking for in depth in a hyper particular situation, but we are going to talk um, about a lot more issues that do affect a lot of us um, in the coming weeks. And so uh, we hope you'll stick with us. And so, uh, yeah, guys, thanks. Thanks, JD. So now we're going to go have a really fun day, JD. Here we go. No, I'm just teasing. I appreciate y'all. Thanks for letting us hold this space together. Um, it's good to do it in relationship and community. So I hope the listeners have a, a blessed day. Well, as I said in the intro, hopefully this episode was um, impactful for you in a way that it was for me. There was a lot of new information in there for me, um, and, I, and I hope there was for you as well. And so uh, just really grateful for Becca and for Tana for their knowledge. Um, they are uh, just a wealth of knowledge. It is um, a treat to be able to be in this seat recording each week because um, most days I'm heading home uh, when we record and I'm more equipped to parent, more equipped to uh, love my people than I was when I got up that morning. And so uh, just really grateful for them. I hope you got a lot out of that as well. Um, again, a reminder that if you have not yet become a monthly donor with us um, for a gift of $20 a month or more uh, monthly to us, you can get your brand new Empowered to Connect t-shirt. They are soft. They are beautiful. Um, I just can't say enough. Like we all need a good soft t-shirt in our lives. Uh, and if you get a good soft t-shirt that is also helping to provide uh, quality resources to families who need them and, and to um, folks who are looking to care for the people in their lives well, um, man, how could you resist, right? So head to the link in our 
show notes below, or you can go straight to empoweredtoconnect.org slash donate. So that's empoweredtoconnect.org slash donate. Um, or you can head to the link in our show notes below. You can find us on social media as well at empowered to connect on Instagram, um, and Facebook as well. So, uh, that's all we've got for today. We've got some really fun interviews coming up in the coming weeks um, and just some great, great, great content in this world of trauma uh, that we are currently talking about. And so we're excited to bring those to you. Uh, for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio. For Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the Empowered to Connect podcast and everybody here at Empowered to Connect. I'm J.D. Wilson, and we will see you next week on the ATC podcast.